welcome to the I Believe podcast, a podcast created and funded by Acure Insight. Here, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatment, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll be back soon. Welcome back to the I Believe podcast. My name is Danae Peterson, and I'm your host here on the podcast. And just as we are building our content and just adding more episodes for you guys to listen to, we're going to be incorporating some miniature episodes to help those of you who listen navigate the ups and downs of this journey with ocular melanoma or any other rare cancers. Today, I just want to share a few tips from our website that I've compiled into a social media post that I'm going to kind of talk through them with you today so that you kind of have something to help you during those first few doctor's appointments or if you encounter new phases of your journey with ocular melanoma. First things to understand is that, you know, these are things that most of us wish we had known or things that we wish we had found and things that we have found that were helpful during those first few visits when everything is so incredibly fresh in a cancer diagnosis. Just know that it can be overwhelming to first get that diagnosis and to be in the same breath told a billion things that you're responsible for knowing and that you know are important, but you can't quite fully absorb all of them in the moment. Here's a few tips to help you to prepare and just to kind of utilize in future doctor's appointments because these can be applicable to any doctor's visit and even if it's just a routine checkup that you have coming up. Number one, take notes. Take notes. Have a simple notebook or a binder that's dedicated only to your medical history. You can use this to write down things that you need to do or remember about what the doctor says. You can also use this ahead of time to write down a list of questions you have about your upcoming visit. You can even bring a voice recording device and you can actually record the entire doctor's spiel this way. And then you can go back and listen if you need to recap any of the things that your doctor has said. Number two, and this is probably One of the most difficult things, because we're just naturally, I think, in our culture now today, we're mentally trained to do this, but number two is stay off of Google, especially at the beginning. Searching out information, researching, it can be very helpful, but I know I personally and many other people that I've spoken to have said that they really wish that they had started off just researching in Facebook groups, talking to people one-on-one, and just hearing actual patient stories instead of reading the scary statistics. Statistics are there to help doctors, and they are there because of math, but they're not your diagnosis, and they're not necessarily relevant to your immediate future. I do feel if you can you know, chat with actual people about your diagnosis, I think that that helps to just humanize this experience right from the get-go. Number three, this is just general things to think about. Number three is to bring a light jacket, some water, and a snack. If you're new to the world of all of these many eye tests that you can have, here's a bit of what to expect. The initial diagnostic testing for ocular melanoma can actually take multiple hours. There are a series of comprehensive tests that are performed, and these could include the following. You're going to have a dilated comprehensive eye exam, and this is used to see the inside of the eye to determine if you have a growth in your eye. There's a gonioscopy, which is using a lens to view the angle between the iris and the cornea with photos. There's autofluorescent angiography, and if I'm remembering correctly, this is one where you get an IV and they inject a dye into your veins, into your bloodstream, and it helps them see better in your eye. There's also the optical coherence tomography, which is OCT, transillumination, retinal fluorescein angiography, again, that could include fluorescent dye, ultrasound biomicroscopy, or UBM, biopsies, and an MRI of various different areas of your body. 
Just know that that added anxiety and stress in your life can actually cause your body to feel more cold. Plus, most doctor's offices are just cold by nature. Believe me, you don't want to be stuck at the office shivering from the stress and the anxiety of these appointments and be there for a few hours with no jacket. Bring the jacket, even if you don't use it. Bring a good snack. Stay hydrated. Maybe even bring a book so you can stay distracted. We've talked about this a lot in patient stories, but number four is advocate for yourself. And if possible, have an advocate support person with you at all of your appointments. Remember these decisions that you're making across any of your appointments, they don't have to be made in the heat of the moment. As you're listening to treatment options that your doctor recommends, take note. You'll likely hear about a few different main options, especially for the beginning of treatment for eye cancer, especially around ocular melanoma. You're going to hear things like plaque or brachytherapy, proton beam radiation, and enucleation. Just know that you do not have to make a decision and schedule any kind of treatment procedure in that exact moment. You can ask for time. You can even ask for a second opinion. You can ask for more details on the types of treatments, the side effects, etc. Despite the urgency of needing to have your eye treated, you do not need to feel pressured to make a spur-of-the-moment decision before you're ready to make it. Number five, ask for medical oncology referrals. This could be done throughout the first few visits, but you do need to ask for medical oncology referrals. Your ocular oncologist may not automatically refer you to a a uveal melanoma oncology expert. So just ask for those referrals. You'll likely be seen by the retina specialist, ocular oncologist. These people specialize only in ocular melanoma and other eye diseases. They can be very helpful, obviously, for sending you for initial body scans, but after a certain point, they can't really follow the post-procedure scan protocol that's recommended for checking in on the other areas of your body that the cancer has the potential to metastasize to. Make sure that you have an actual medical oncologist who is specializing in uveal melanoma and can be familiar with scan protocols and order them according to your biopsy if you choose to have that done. More on that biopsy in just a sec as we move on to the next one. But just know that the uveal melanoma experts can be a little bit tricky to find, but if possible, find one that you can get to or travel to. If not, find a medical oncologist who will at least follow a uveal melanoma expert like Dr. Sato or Dr. Harbour, someone who is very familiar with uveal melanoma and recommends a specific scan protocol based on the biopsy of your tumor or the kind of the characteristics of the tumor as it shows. Number six, consider having a biopsy done. We actually had an episode done, I believe it was episode eight with Dr. Walter, and he spoke about the process of getting a biopsy. If you haven't listened to that episode and you're new to the ocular melanoma world and you need to hear about that, head back over. But just know that at one of your earliest appointments, you'll be asked about taking a sample of your tumor during treatment. And you may, as you're being diagnosed, actually be asked if you would like to have a biopsy done before treatment to determine what treatment option would be the best. This is what Dr. Walter talks about. Definitely listen to that episode if you haven't yet. This biopsy is a very critical step because you may be asked for an additional fresh sample to be sent by overnight express shipment for molecular genetic testing to help in determining the risk of metastases. Biopsies are considered safe and they've been shown not to increase your risk of metastatic disease. A biopsy can actually guide your follow-up care, your treatment planning, and any adjuvant treatment or clinical trials that you might want to do. This is key because if you want to be eligible for clinical trials in the future, you need to know your biopsy and they can't know your biopsy if they don't actually take it. One thing to keep in mind is that you can get that information 
pulled by your doctor. And similar to not finding out the gender at a pregnancy ultrasound, you can ask your doctor to keep the information from you or just to keep it, you know, until you're ready to hear about it. And you don't have to know the contents of the biopsy until you want to, or until it becomes more relevant in your medical treatment. Just know that you don't have to find out about it right at once because it's compounded and it layers and it can happen really fast. If you're not quite ready for that information yet and you want a little time, we just would recommend as a community that you seek the biopsy, you have it done, and make sure that you have it there. Just know it can be scary to think about those results, but they're actually just a guide. They're not a guaranteed outcome. And that advanced molecular genetic testing can identify specific genes involved in your tumor cells, which might help in targeting with drug therapies in future clinical trials or in current adjuvant clinical trials. You will receive the test results either from your doctor or directly from the lab. Most biopsies are sent to Castle or I believe Immunocore is one of them. And you can have those tests done and your ocular oncologist will actually be able to tell you more about how you receive the results and what they look like. If you head over to our website on the tumor and biopsies tab, you'll be able to read a little bit more information. And again, like I said, go back to episode eight with Dr. Walter and he speaks on biopsies. Number seven, lean into your social support system. You're now part of a very unique club of extremely incredible, uplifting, and hopeful people. I've heard it said that people who have cancer are some of the most resilient people, and I can't even echo that enough. Your doctor may be able to point you to a few local patients who are willing to connect with you for support. Online Facebook groups are out there. You can actually find many in our community on the Facebook page, on the Instagram page, on our other social media platforms, in Facebook support groups. The most important thing to know as your doctor tells you how rare you are in this diagnosis is that you are not alone. The people who I've met in this community are incredible and they would all tell you that being part of the community helps. You feel heard and understood in ways that no one else in your life can support you fully and you may actually feel at the beginning or at various times the need or the urge to withdraw from that community and I would just challenge you to lean into that discomfort. It can be scary and vulnerable when doing so but the results of having a unique community of people who just really get it when you are worried about something is absolutely invaluable. And also just know that if you are part of a Facebook group, you can be in a Facebook group for a while, but if it seems too triggering to be part of the group and to see posts, you can turn off notifications. You can also just leave the group and come back and join it again later when you're ready. Just know that the support is there. I have heard from the handful of people who were diagnosed almost 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago when Facebook and Instagram and social media and just connecting online was not a possibility. And they have been floored by the amount of support that exists now and they wish they had had that so just know that this is something that many people didn't have and you may be tempted like I said to isolate yourself and you may feel kind of withdrawn but just know this isn't your fault you deserve support you deserve people who get it in your life and who want you to heal and feel your best and who just understand what you're going through number eight process your diagnosis on your timeline You can keep that newly learned information as long as you need to to yourself. While family and friends may want to know exactly what's going on with you in exactly the moment that it happens, you are in no way obligated to let them know what's going on in the moments after having four hours of testing or various different scans, long doctor's appointments. Like if you have been sitting with your news and trying to process it and you're not quite ready to tell everyone else, then that's okay. You can sit with it, you can let it soak in, and you just need to take care of yourself before you start trying to take 
care of making sure that everyone else is taken care of. If you prefer, you could even ask a partner or a support person to update others in the family and your friend circle so that you don't actually have to send out those messages or post anything on social media until you feel prepared to do so. Number nine, don't be afraid to seek the mental and emotional support that you need. Outside of a Facebook group, local meetups, if you have them, it's always a good idea to seek therapy, life coaching, any other support that you may find helpful in navigating this diagnosis. Ask your doctor for advice in this area because they actually may have specific recommendations for therapists who specifically work with cancer patients. Number 10, focus on hope and get present with joy. You just received a cancer diagnosis, but this is not a death sentence. You're still here. You're still breathing. You're going to get through this one step at a time. You deserve to feel the joy in your life and to soak up the moments. Cancer changes your perspective on life for the better. So say yes to the things that bring you the most joy as Ashley McCrary and Adam Aaron Davies posted about this. And he said, you know, we, we have these things in life that he would call near life experiences. So seek those near life experiences and chase after them. Pay attention to the little pockets of joy that happen because it's those little moments that are the most important. Kind of just as a bonus tip, I would recommend from hearing from some of the other Omis in the Instagram and Facebook platforms is to set up a dermatology appointment and kind of just some other general monitoring of the rest of your body. Obviously, melanoma in the eye, melanoma in the skin, they do behave differently. And if you talk to your doctor, they will be able to explain that melanoma from the eye versus melanoma in the skin, they're kind of a different animal. But it's still wise to make sure that you have a dermatology appointment set up and that the dermatologist knows of your history. So get those dermatology appointments set up. Those can be very helpful to just have them on hand. I had another something else besides the dermatology that I wanted to talk about, but just in general, make sure that you are continuing to get your eyes checked and you can also encourage your family to get genetic testing done, a cancer genetic testing to see if there is any predisposition for ocular melanoma in your family, any genetic links. So you can ask about those kinds of testing with a medical oncologist and they will be able to kind of dive into that. Just know, like I said, you're not alone, and we are grateful to have you here, grateful that we can hopefully provide some kind of support for you. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure to share this episode with your fellow Omis, especially anyone that you know who has been newly diagnosed. If you have any tips for someone who's newly diagnosed, we would absolutely love to hear more of them, and we can share those in our Instagram highlights. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, and as we're going into the season of November, the season of giving, we would just encourage you guys to think about using Giving Tuesday as a fundraising opportunity and select a Cure Insight as the donating organization that you would like to benefit from donations and just share your story. I know I talked about this a little bit on the Cure Insight event, but just know that your story has the ability to make an impact. You personally, by sharing your story, have the ability to make an impact in the lives of those around you. And any amount or any capacity that you are able to do fundraising counts and it helps. Every little bit helps with awareness, with fundraising, with just making sure that people understand what this diagnosis is, what it looks like. So we appreciate all that you do, and we hope that you will continue to tune in to further episodes on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. Feel free to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Insight. Thanks so much, and have a wonderful day.